Well, here we are. Um, last week, if you were able to join us, we were out on the, the land next to ours and had a great week. Uh, we were planning on being out there again um, for this one, and then this crazy wind uh, decided to happen. Um, and if you are outside of the shelter of this town, uh, the trees and the other houses, it is crazy, the wind that has been, been just pounding us out there. Um, at various times last night, I thought the wind was going to blow our windows out. Um, and so it was, it's been a little bit crazy. I am so glad to be here uh, with you all, and I'm so glad that you are here with me and with all of us. And just looking around, you know, we know that, that, that we are not back to normal. Um, but this is really pretty close. <laughs> um, to know that we've got the space in our building to be gathered. If everybody was feeling comfortable and safe and ready, um, if everyone was here, we would have enough in our building for all of us to be. And that, that's a great thing. Um, that really is. Now, um, we may not all be in the same place. Uh, we may, uh, if we have uh, more than 50, then we have to use the coffee area. And if we have more than what that fits, then we've got downstairs set up with a live cast as well. And we can get another 40 or so people down there. Um, and so as much as it's a little bit crazy, um, God has really blessed us with the ability to do what we are doing. Um, one person who is going to be embarrassed um, that I'm going to bring this up that I think we all just need to thank um, very publicly is Stephen. Um, Stephen has put together every video, every download, everything we have done digitally for the last 12 weeks. Um, in addition to that, right now he is casting to downstairs as well as recording and I think we're working on Facebook living all at the same time. Okay, like my head just hurts when I think about all the things that are happening simultaneously from those screens right back there. So if you get the chance, please just, just let him know how thankful you are for him. Um, without which, I, I gotta be honest, uh, it, the last chunk of time would have been that much more difficult. And so just wanna, wanna say that. I also wanna say, uh, before we get into the message, um, that we are, are really looking at getting um, our groups back together, our weekly groups. Uh, what we are actually calling our gather groups. Um, the reason for that is because um, the church in the Bible is actually called uh, the gathered. That's the, the, the most clear Greek form of what church means, ecclesia, is, is to be gathered. And every one of us in this room right now and those who are still watching online knows the pain of not being able to be gathered. Um, and so we are going to be moving forward, continuing with, with, with gather groups. If you've been here for a few years, you know that we usually take the summers off from what we've called community groups. Well, we're not going to do that this summer. We haven't been able to be together all through uh, the spring. And now that it's summer and we can be together, we want to be so. And so on Tuesday night and Wednesday night this week, uh, we're going to be meeting um, either at Scott's house or my own. Um, and... And then moving forward, we're going to continue to find more homes that we can meet in for this. Um, we know that, that the importance of being together is, is, is vital. And what we would like to see happen is that the majority of our church people are going to one of these groups. The reason for that is that becomes the foundation for discipleship so that when we get together on Sunday mornings, what we have is a celebration 
of what God is doing in our lives and in our families and in our groups. And so I want to invite you to take part in one of those. Let me know if you'd like to come to one of those, or Scott, either one of us, and we will make sure that, that we get you connected to one of those groups. We are, uh, we, we are starting the, the Psalms. Uh, last week we did a Psalm, uh, but it was out of order from where we've been. Uh, we just wanted to celebrate that some of us were able to gather for worship, and so we, we looked last week um, at Psalm um, 148, which was just a Psalm of praise. Today's psalm, if, if I can um, paraphrase the entirety of it into one line, is this. When you think you deserve better than you're getting. Okay, when you think you deserve better than you're getting. This, uh, this psalm is one of struggle. This psalm is one of, of trust, but it's also a psalm of blessing. And it's a psalm that shows us where our blessing really comes from. What we're going to see is that this has a lot to do with how we care for the poor, how we care for the marginalized, how we care for those who are weak and helpless and wounded. So I'd like you to... uh, Hear Psalm 41 as I read it out loud. Um, You will note that there are no Bibles in the pews, um, so you're going to need to bring your own moving forward. Um, Eventually, we'll get back to having Bibles in the pews, I hope. Um, But at the moment, we are required to create as touchless and shareless of a experience, if you can even fathom that for church, right? Um, and so those have been put away until a safer time, if you will. Um, so Psalm 41, Psalm 41. Blessed is the one who considers the poor. In the day of trouble, the Lord delivers him. The Lord protects him and keeps him alive. He is blessed in the land. You do not give him up to the will of his enemies. The Lord sustains him on his sickbed. In his illness, you restore him to full health. As for me, I said, O Lord, be gracious to me. Heal me, for I have sinned against you. My enemies say of me in malice, when will he die and his name perish? And when one comes to see me, he utters empty words, while his heart gathers iniquity. When he goes out, he tells it abroad. All who hate me whisper together about me. They imagine the worst for me. They say a deadly thing is poured out on him. He will not rise again from where he lies. Even my close friends in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. But you, O Lord, be gracious to me and raise me up that I may repay them. By this I know that you delight in me. My enemy will not shout in triumph over me, but you have upheld me because of my integrity and set me in your presence forever. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. Would you all pray with me as we come into this time? God, I thank you so much for those gathered here and for those who are listening as well online in whatever fashion that is. Lord, we know that that the reading of your word is a blessing upon us. We know that being gathered together is a blessing, one that we should never forget that we have and that we are allowed and that we are required as well by our faith to participate in. 
I pray, God, that as we do study your word today, Lord, that it would speak to each of us. And, and I include myself in that as well. God, that we would be a people who study scripture and apply it to our lives, that we might follow it and, and live it in this life that you've given us and blessed us with. God, I thank you and I praise you as we come before your word. And in unity, those who are gathered say, amen, amen. Friends, the, the context of this psalm, um, the story, the backstory, um, likely comes out of the book of 2 Samuel chapter 15. This is coming in towards the end of David's life and his reign. This is the season of life when, for David, his son Absalom decided to throw a coup and rise up against him in David's moment of weakness. David, um, who was sick, who was ill, David, who was unable to protect the throne on his own, his son, in strength and power, plotted with others, including many of his friends, David's friends, and brought about a rebellion. And David says, blessed is the one who considers the poor. That's an interesting phrase, considers the poor. Of course, in the King James, it reads, considereth the poor. And in the NIV, it actually highlights a, a different aspect, and, and it says, those who have regard for the weak, regard for the weak, see the poor, the weak, the powerless, these are the same people. Now, this is good news for you, and it's good news for me. Um, for you do not need to look beyond the required six-foot social distance bubble to find one who is poor and weak. And I don't mean the spouse sitting next to you. We do not need to look past our six-foot bubble to see ourselves and to know that there are times, if not most of the time, where we are poor and weak, where we, like David, who was a king, who was God's chosen, his anointed one, the man after God's own heart, who found himself to be weak and poor and powerless. Just think about that for a moment, what it takes to bring a king to feel powerless. And when you then think about yourself and your life, maybe the last 12 weeks, as many of us have felt such a way, um, wondering what our place is and how to navigate all of these things. This week, this was me as I digested like 10 pages of variants and state regulations. And what does it look like for us to be together? It's easy to feel powerless when you are beyond your control. And this is where David was. And so he says, blessed is the one who considers the poor the weak, the powerless. Now I want to say, as we read this psalm, and if you would just read this as I did this week, um, there are kind of two readings of this psalm that one can make. We are going to make both of them today. The first one is the clear and obvious. As you read it, you read these first few verses, what you see is David saying, blessed is the one who considers the poor. And of course, who is he talking about? Well, he's actually talking about himself, right? David, who, yeah, he wasn't always fair to the poor, but he was most of the time. He took care of the weak in his kingdom. 
He appeals to the Lord based on his history of being faithful and loving to the poor. And that's the way we kind of read this. And we say, all right, well, David is saying, look, Lord, I have done what I was supposed to do. Please do what you're supposed to do. Please take care of the one who has looked after the poor. That's one way to read this, and you would be correct if you did so. But before we get to that, and we will in just a a few minutes, what we need to see before that is the basis for that. And that is the other reading that we might make of this. As we read in verse 1, blessed is the one who considers the poor. Now what we're going to see today really is two things. The first is the comfort that you and I as weak, poor people may and get to find in such a scripture as this one. The second thing that we are going to look at is how such a weak and poor and humble person, I hope, might find a call in this. A call to do and to be a certain kind of person. And so I want to start with the comfort that comes. And we don't need to go beyond verse 1 to begin to see it. Blessed is the one who considers the poor. Friends, who is it that considers the poor more than any other? It's our Lord. Blessed is the one who considers the poor. God is the object of praise in this. See, the word blessed doesn't just mean that they are blessed, but it means we want to bless. It's, it's very much like the word praise that we use. We praise you. They are honored for the consideration of the poor. And as you walk through this, what we see is piece by piece all the ways that God is sustaining David. In verse 1, we see that this includes delivering him on the day of trouble. In verse 2, the Lord is protecting him as well as keeping him alive. The end of verse 2, he is not given up, given over to his enemies. Verse 3, he is sustained on his sickbed and he is restored from illness, right? God is the one who is most likely to consider the poor. And that word consider is a strong word. It's not just to think on. It's not just to to contemplate. When the Bible says that the blessed is the one who considers the poor, what that means is that person or God is one who takes note, studies, knows, and then acts upon what they've discovered. And this is God who knows our situations better than even we do, and who was not content to let us struggle in them on our own, but instead sent his son into that poverty, into that poorness, into that weakness. Philippians 2 tells us that the son lays down the glory of what it meant to be God and takes up the humility, the the smallness of what it is to be man. God considers the poor, and as a result, he sends his son to die. God delivers, he protects, he keeps alive. He does not give up those to the will of the enemies. He sustains and he restores out of sickness. 
One of the things that I'd like to point out to you is we, we consider what it means to be blessed, right? Blessed is the one who considers, is that in our culture, we usually think of blessing as only being good things, right? You think, all right, if God's blessing me, then I am going to be free from persecution or from my enemies or from illness or sickness or disease. But what we see here is David is talking about being blessed is that it's not that God, that God um, takes those things before he gets them. It's not that he is spared from them. It is that he, in the middle of them, does not find himself alone. That God would rescue him out of them, not before them, if that makes sense. Blessing from God comes often in the midst of the worst and hardest times of our lives. And we are blessed all the way through it. So we see God's consideration of the poor, but we're also given a glimpse in this passage um, about, about the world's consideration of the poor. Right? Just think about this. God considers the poor. He knows the poor. He experiences them and, and, and us, and, and he acts upon it. Well, so do the wicked people of this world. They consider the poor as well. But they come to a very different set of actions and attitudes towards them, don't they? In verse 5, what we read is of malice. Malice. Verse 6, we see empty words. I was thinking about empty words and all the chaos that's going on right now in the world. And you see all kinds of people who on any given day do not care one lick about poor people. Do not care about the plights of those who have been oppressed and hurt and killed. And yet all they can do right now is post to Facebook. Friends, empty words without actions. Verse 6, we see those who are considering the poor of the world as gathering iniquity. They are plotting and conniving. How can we use this? And that's exactly what David's family, his friends, his enemies were doing at this time. They're looking at David's weakness and saying, all right, we got our opportunity now. David's stuck in bed. What can we get away with? Verse 7, they hate. And along with that hate comes whispers and imagining the worst for them. Verse 8, they are going to take advantage of David, of the poor, of the weak, looking for an opportunity to step in. Friends, what we are given here is this contrast between the one who considers the poor and takes care of the poor, and we are given the contrast of that between, between those in the world who consider the poor and will do everything they can to, to take advantage of that, to, to, to make their own means, their own working, their own ends. The comforting thing for us is that God is the one who is first considering the poor God is the one who first considers the weak. For you and I, who have been found in weakness, whether in our own um, stuckness in sin we can't get out of on our own, or whatever else it is, what we need to be encouraged and comforted by is that we have a God who considers us first. He considers us and he acts And so friends, as we think about this, as we come into this passage, we need to see that first and foremost, what we have here, 
what we have is a God who loves us, who cares for us, and who then acts upon it. And Jesus dies on the cross. Jesus comes to this life, to this earth, to live it, to show us. This is the God that we worship. And because this is the God that we worship, we are called to act like him. Right? So we're comforted by God, but then we are called by God. And that's what I want to look at now. In verses 1 through 3, let me read these again for us just so we have them. Blessed is the one who considers the poor. In the day of trouble, the Lord delivers him. The Lord protects him and keeps him alive. He's called blessed in the land. You do not give him up to the will of his enemies. The Lord sustains him on his sickbed, and in his illness you restore him to full health. Friends, I would just like to ask you all and myself along with that, may we consider the poor and needy. May we, you and I, consider the poor and needy. Here's what Spurgeon had to say about that. He said, they do not toss them a penny and go on their way. But they inquire into their sorrows, sift out their causes, study the best ways for their relief, and practically come to their rescue, such as these have the mark of divine favor plainly upon them, and are, and are as surely the sheep of the Lord's pasture as if they wore a brand upon their foreheads. May we consider the poor and needy, Friends, may we even just consider the, the breadth of what it means to be poor and needy. May we consider those in our own community, in our own church, who are poor and needy. May we consider those who cry out for justice amongst the poor and needy, the weak who can't do it on their own. May we consider the poor and needy, what is best for them. Friends, what I, I think about the gospel in this, and I know that if it wasn't by God coming to me and saying, hey, Matt, what you need most right now is my son to die for you, that apart from that, I would not be a Christian. I would not be here. Friends, people in this world are living in the same place. They don't know what they need. And we do. See, the answer to to any of the, the social ills of today is the gospel. We cannot transform our culture. We cannot fight against injustice or hatred or any of those things unless the gospel has taken root in our hearts to change us. And it is the gospel taking roots in their hearts that will change them as well. So may we consider the poor and needy. May we hear them, listen to them, know them, be friends with them, be in community with them, pray with them, support them. I don't need to define who them is. Our world is full of poor and needy people. And I know that because I've already declared to all of us that every one of us in this room has been or still is poor and needy. In our call, may we, that's the trigger word to pay attention to the next point, by the way, may we, 
May we be honest about our situation and our condition. May we be honest about our situation and our condition. Verse 4, David writes, As for me, I said, Lord, be gracious to me. Heal me, for I have sinned against you. Most of the time, maybe all of the time, honesty about our situation begins with confession. Right? David has just made a plea. He said, hey, Lord, look at me. I've taken care of the poor. I've done a good job. Please help me because of that. But then what does he say? He says, but Lord, I've sinned. See, David looks at his own life and he looks back and he says, you know what? I didn't do this either. I mean, I wanted to. I tried to. Like every one of us, he had good intentions. I mean, if you want to apply what it means to be poor and needy and weak and powerless across his story, you'd need to go no further than the story of Bathsheba and her husband. Bathsheba, who was powerless to say no to a king. And her husband, not even knowing what was going on, who is forced to his death, trying to fight for his country. See, David had sin, sins, sins to confess, to bring before the Lord. And what he knows is that his God is gracious and will hear him and listen to him. So may we be honest about our situation and our condition. None of us have done this well, or at least as well as we could have. David then walks through all of these issues that he's facing. His enemies plotting against him, his friends betraying him. He's being honest about his situation with the Lord and with us. Because he knows the only help that will come is, is when we have honestly brought ourselves before God and before the community of faith and said, this is what I need. Friends, may we be honest about our situation. Finally, we come to the end of our psalm, to verses 11 through 13, and it says, By this I know that you delight in me. My enemy will not shout in triumph over me, but you have upheld me because of my integrity and set me in your presence forever. He says, or someone says, and I'll explain that in a minute, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. Friends, may we be a people who trust in the Lord. May we be a people who trust in the Lord. What we see in verses 11 and 12 is a couple key words in, in grammar phrases. The first, in verse 11, oh, sorry, I just lost myself. <laughs> he says, by this I know that you delight in me, my enemy will not, will not, verse 11, will not, there's a future. There's a future hope to what David is asking for, that this will not. In other words, this hasn't come to be yet. What David is asking God for has not yet come to be. He's hoping, he's praying, he has faith, trust in the Lord that the Lord will pull him through. And then in verse 12, he says, but you have upheld me because of my integrity and set me in your presence forever. You have, that's a past word. 
right? David has the confidence, this trust in the future hope because God has already set him in a place where his faith is sustaining him. And he says that that will last in God's presence how long? Forever. May we be a people who trust in the Lord, that trust that what God is doing is good, that trust that God will bring us through, that he cares for the poor, the weak, the powerless. Friends, I experienced this this week. I'm a smart guy. <laughs> I am. I know it. Um, sometimes I think I'm smarter than I am. I also know that. This week, I struggled more than I have struggled with pastoral decisions and the future of this church than I have at any point in the almost 20 years I have been serving God's church. This week. And this week, I find myself just calling out to the Lord, Lord, help me. I don't know what to do. And the Lord spoke in a powerful way and, and said, I will take care of it. And here's the really cool thing. He did. Apart from that moment this week, I'm not sure we would be here in this capacity this week. The Lord said to me, he said, just do your job. Just shepherd your people, and I will take care of the rest. Friends, I want you to know that this is real. That when we find ourselves powerless, weak, unable to move forward, his word is true. He will sustain us forever. Now, I don't know about you, but I know these weeks have been hard, and I expect they are going to still be hard moving forward. I expect that as we continue, there will be changes, and we will have to jump through stupid hoops that none of us like. And in the middle of all of that, I pray that my faith and I pray that your faith would trust that God's got this. For some of us, that's going to be really hard because we don't trust God for anything. For some of us, we say, you know what? I'm not weak. I'm not poor. I'm not powerless. I'm going to do this on my own. All right, go for it. I'm going to do it with the Lord and by the Lord and through him. Friends, if you don't believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, if you have never given your life to him, if you have never said, you know what, that God, I want him to be in charge of my life, today's the day. Whether you're in this room right now or you're on, watching on screen or whatever, today's the day. We worship a God who, who considers us so much so that he gave his son that we could have a life, a life we never could have had on our own. So friends, as we are gathered, as we are in the word, and as we're about to come to the time of communion, I want to invite you to trust. May we be a people who trust in the Lord with our futures, with our presence, as I think many of us have with our pasts. Would you pray with me? God, as we are before your word, I just thank you so much for the goodness of your gospel, the glory of your word. 
I pray, Lord, that you would help us to continue to figure out what it means to be church in this challenging season. God, that that would be a gift that we have to, um, to really think through and, and to really consider our own involvement in, in the community, in this gathering of, of believers. I do pray, Lord, that if there's anyone hearing this right now who does not know you, God, that your spirit would call to them and draw them to you in salvation. That you would lead them into eternity. I thank you so much for these people, this group, these gathered, and even those who are, who are still at home. And Lord, I pray that you would work in us in power through the, the, the truth of the gospel working in us. God, I thank you so much. We give you the glory. And God, we thank you and we praise you. Amen.